Hey there, hope you're doing really well. Uh, I'm JD Mangrum, if we haven't met, and we're in kind of an interesting year, an interesting season, right, of life and ministry and, and church. And so for the last couple of weeks, Christ Church Charlestown, um, which I have the privilege of pastoring, has been meeting in a park here in the community, Eden Street Park. If you live in Charlestown or in the area and are looking for a, a church family this fall, uh, we'd love to have you come worship with us. But in the middle of Facebook Live Church and COVID-19 Church and all of that, we had some folks who became a really special part of our church uh, through Facebook Live who maybe lived here once but don't live here now or some other folks who are part of the church but aren't comfortable coming out and being with us on Sundays. And so we want to make sure that the messages are captured maybe in video, maybe in audio form and, and make sure that we're continuing to pastor you. If you count yourselves among those uh, that group of people, once you know we love you. And we miss you. Uh, we miss the Facebook Live. If there's an inclement weather Sunday, we'll be excited to have you worship with us as we pivot to Facebook Live. In the middle of all of this that's going on in the park, we're not really doing a series of messages because every week is so different. But if it were a series of messages, it would be called something like um, a beginner's guide to predicting your unpredictable future, right? Like, wouldn't we all like that right now? Wouldn't we all like the, the sort of the comfort of knowing? And, and the series kind of comes from an, a series of messages done by North Point Community Church and in Atlanta, Georgia, their pastor, Andy Stanley, is one of my favorites. And so this series is kind of rooted in a lot of what came out of the series that they did with a similar title at their church. This year has created a, a ton of uncertainty for, for all of us, if we're honest. For the most part, it's been um, God's really blessed Christ Church Charlestown in a lot of ways. And a lot of people would say that some normals are returning, but certainly not everything has returned to normal. For me, there's one place where I miss the uncertainty of the past more than any others. And uh, I don't know what it's like for you. Like I can roll through Facebook Live Church. I can uh, I can deal with the Zoom meetings. They're not my favorite. I, I don't like the social distancing and the mask, but I get it. And I want to love my neighbor and do those things. The place where I most miss the predictability of the past is the grocery store. How many of you locally or stop and shop or your market basket or your Trader Joe's or Whole Foods? Uh, uh, some of you watching from other parts of the country, maybe Kroger or Publix, man, I miss those grocery stores. Um, we're Wegmans. We're a Wegmans family at our house. And there's so many things about Wegmans that I miss uh, and they have been crazy unpredictable this year. You know, you would go to the grocery store earlier on and wonder, is there going to be toilet paper here? Pretty essential. I, I, I gave up a long time ago thinking I was ever going to find Clorox wipes. There were weeks in the summer where I couldn't find... Um, ice cream or frozen pizzas, which was God's way of letting me know I really didn't need those things. But probably in my house, the one thing that's been the toughest to live without has been uh, seltzer, particularly Polar brand orange vanilla seltzer. My family would walk into the store with hope and joy and a sense of expectation and walk out with biblical level weeping and lamenting and gnashing of teeth that their seltzers, their beloved seltzers weren't there. Now, when it comes to predicting the future and thinking about God and what we can count on, I think there are kind of three uh, not, the, not the best ways of, of thinking about God in the future that we can embrace. One is to think that we can't count on God for anything, that he's this old cosmic uh, watchmaker who sort of created the universe like an old clockmaker would create the clock and then he wound it and just began to let it go to run its course and they live by this sort of what will be, what will be uh, fatalism, if you will. A second way to think about God is that he's like this cosmic slot machine slash 
divine Santa Claus if we ask with a good heart and if we pull the lever just right, kind of hold our mouth right when we pull it, and if we get a little lucky, then things are going to turn out our way. Um, for these people, uh, it's not that they want to manipulate God. And this is some of you, if you're honest. It, it's just that we wouldn't mind if God kind of said to us, Thy will be done. We hit triple cherries, and we had God do whatever we wanted for our relationships or our finances or health or other areas. Some people, some of you, with your very deep-seated religious guilt, think of God like a kid playing that game Whack-A-Mole. Do you remember that game that you would play at the, um, the arcade? Like God is watching with his club, waiting to see us pop up in failure or pop up in too much success or pop up with the wrong intentions or anything else. And then God's going to nail us. <laughs> Most people feel this sort of low-grade, perpetual spiritual guilt and even paranoia. Um, matter of time for they get nailed by God. After all, they get a ninth nugget in their eight-pack of nuggets at Chick-fil-A. And there's all those hungry kids at Asia, so God's about to pound me on the head. Now, God wouldn't have us embrace any of those ways of relating to him. In fact, God wouldn't have us feeling abandoned or manipulative or fearful at all. Rather, he promises in the Bible that we can walk in relationship with him. And even though that relationship doesn't at all promise a pain-free or trouble-free existence, he does put forward these principles throughout Scripture. They're not promises, but they're principles. But if we'll trust him and walk with him, more often than not, we'll find ourselves happier more at peace, more fulfilled, and closer to him and to other people. So over these few weeks, uh, we're going through this series. We're looking at some of these biblical principles and how they play out in our lives. Now, let me tell you a story. When I was in the 10th grade, I hung out with three guys to protect their identities. I'll, we'll call them um, Johnny and Rich and, and James. And Johnny was crazy. When we played Little League in the sixth grade, Johnny learned the rule that you could hit three batters. And on the fourth hit batter as a pitcher, you would be removed as the pitcher in the game. And so Johnny would hit the first three batters in the baseball game. And then all the batters would be so scared to death that they would come up and he would pitch to them. But they would be stepping out and unable to hit the ball. And he would strike out so many of the, the batters on the opposing team. Uh, when we were in ninth grade, Johnny sat in homeroom and cut a cut a hole with a little knife into his knee and then poured in ink and gave himself a homemade uh, tattoo of a smiley face on his knee. I always thought that was amazing. Rich was um, Rich was just that. Nicest guy in the world. So rich. We lived in a one-story ranch house uh, kind of town and, and Rich's uh, family had four stories to their house. They even had an elevator in their house and he had the whole bottom floor to himself. He, he drove a Porsche. She was privileged, but he was really cool about it. But we all knew it. And James was uh, a preacher's kid. He was one of those guys who had like one foot in the church and then everything else in, in the world. And life was loose and fun on Monday through Saturday. And then it was all uh, church on Sunday. And, and here I was like super insecure, just looking for friends. Uh, but also trying to love God and honor God with who I was. And, and those guys accepted me. So it felt like there was some peace of mind there. That relationship, though, it changed for me one Friday night. We went to this party. There was a ton of drugs, a ton of alcohol, and we were all 16 years old. 
And uh, God was calling me deeper at the time, and uh, and I knew I shouldn't be there immediately. I, I remember finding Rich and making eye contact with him, saying, "Look, man, I'm going to be out in the car. You and James and Johnny, just come meet me when you're done." I went out in the car. It was late. I fell asleep in the car. A couple hours later, they came out sober, and and we went home. And I want to be really fair to them, like. Uh, we drift. We began to drift apart. I began to follow Jesus. They kind of uh, did their thing. We were still really good friends. They were fiercely loyal to me. I just began to hang out with a different crowd as following Christ became more central to me. I, I really decided that if I was going to be all in with Jesus, my friend circle was going to have to reflect that a little better. I didn't ditch those guys. They didn't ditch me. We're still friends this day. I actually talked with uh, with James this week on uh, on Facebook. We just own the fact that our priorities at that time were diverging, were diverging. And that leads to the, today's verse, if I can share with you. If you've got a Bible, it's in Proverbs 13, 20. Really simple. In the ESV version of that, uh, of the Bible, it says this, Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Whoever walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. And that leads to today's big idea. Here it is. Who is with you influences where you end up. Who's with you on the journey will influence where you end up. Now, let's dig in just a little bit to that. I want us to remember the Bible and, and remember, with, especially with the book of Proverbs, these aren't promises where if we obey, then these certain things have to happen. If we disobey, then this has to happen, like, like we're in control of God on some level. I've, I've heard people quote uh, Proverbs 22, 6 along these lines a lot of times. It says something like, train up a child in the way he or she should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. And these parents have, with really good hearts, believed like if they raised their kids in church and taught them to pray and shared the gospel with them, then the kids would have to become Christians one day as if this was a promise. And sadly, it's just not. Neither is Proverbs 13, 20. Neither are a lot of these principles that we see in scripture. I've known atheistic parents who raise kids who became very devout followers of Christ. And I've known really devout parents who sadly watched their kids just kind of walk away and not embrace the faith at all as they moved into adulthood. Rather, these are not promises, they're principles. Often, if someone follows and lives out these scriptures more often than not, and walking by faith, walking in relationship with God and uh, and faith with God, living out the principles more often than not, they, the general experience of humanity is that these verses will be true of our lives. More often than not, the kid won't depart from the faith. More often than not, uh, iron sharpens iron. More often than not, one who walks with the wise will grow wise. Principles. And these principles are a gift from God. So let's look at just, let's sort of mine out this verse, phrase by phrase, word by word. So he or she who walks with the wise. Now the wise one in Proverbs is not the one who is smart. And it's not the one who is older. And it's not necessarily the one who is experienced. To be wise in God's eyes is to see life from his perspective, from his vantage point, and to align oneself with God's perspective. The Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, but not being afraid of God. It's a reverence of God or worship of the Lord. So Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalm says that. The Bible tells us that over and over. While knowledge is acquired, you get knowledge by 
reading books or listening to podcasts or being around really smart people. Wisdom is actually biblically a gift from God. So if you're young or old, rich or poor, grew up in church or didn't, know the Bible or not, wisdom is available to you if you align yourself with God and his perspective and other wise people. So he or she who walks with the wise. Now, what's it mean to walk with? To walk with someone means to live your life with and do stuff with other people. Like, so you're doing stuff and you're beginning to think like and believe like and all of this stuff. It's not just taking a mile around the track here in the neighborhood, walking with a friend for exercise. It's not even, it's more of an even just taking a vacation together. A wise person does life with, journeys with, asks questions of other wise people and over time in doing so becomes wise. The wise person asks questions and observes and watches. The wise person knows he or she has blind spots in many areas and allows wise and godly people to speak into those blind spots. The wise person grows with other wise people. It's like one of my mentors, John Randalls, used to always say, he would say, deep calls to deep. In other words, the one who's out in the deep end of discipleship is calling out his friends and loved ones uh, out of the shallows and into the deep. We see the deep one's faith and we want to go deeper. He who walks with the wise grows wise because who's with you influences where you end up. Now, on the conversely, the companion of fools. In contrast with the wise, fools aren't young people, people with lower GPAs or IQs, or people who aren't really well-read or didn't grow up in church or hearing the Bible or having a bunch of experiences that the world values so much. Fools, rather, are people who say, with their words or with their life, there is no God. Their words and actions and thoughts and spending of time and resources, their relationships, all says, God is not God. I am. Or God is not God. Blank is or blank are. Psalm 14.1, the first part of it, says this. It says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool says with his life or her life, there is no God, or there is a God, but it's not capital G God. It's some little pocket trinket of life that I have given ultimate value and meaning to or built my life around. The fool to God is the atheist or practical atheist who lives with God amnesia, God indifference, or God canceling. Here's the thing. It's not the fool who comes to ruin. Who is it? According to this verse. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools comes to ruin. The message translation phrases that, hang out with fools and your life will come to pieces. And the harm here actually implied is total harm. It's soul, obviously, but it's also mind and body. It's emotions. It's every other thing. The other day, Noah and Owen and I were driving up I-93 and I saw this verse, this idea, this phrase, play out right in front of us. We're riding down the highway. We're going about 65 miles an hour up 93 North. And a guy on a motorcycle flies by us. He's got to be going 80 miles an hour. I kid you not. Now he didn't go beside us like in a lane. We're in a lane. We're in a lane, car in a lane. He comes up the line between us going 15 miles faster than us. And then immediately he slows down to probably 55. 
Now at this point, I needed to hop off the highway and buy a new pack of Fruit of the Looms. Like I am un undone by what I'm watching. And, and, and Owen, who loves fast cars and motorcycles, his eyes are as big as saucers, right? And I'm scared to death. Immediately I get two lanes over, so there's two and a half lanes separating me and this guy. Now he slows down to probably 50, 55 miles an hour. And he starts looking back. I, I figured out why later, why he was looking back. He had a guy filming what he's doing, I believe. And then he does something that was incredible. He's on his motorcycle. He stands up on the seat of the motorcycle and then he pulls the motorcycle up into a wheelie. So somewhere between 40 and 55 miles an hour, this guy is standing on a seat riding a motorcycle that he's turned into a motor unicycle up I-93 North. Everybody's backing up. We're scared. You're going to ask me, how did the story end? I don't know. I got off the first exit ramp. Why? because it's not the fool who comes to ruin. It's the companion of fools. If that guy wiped out, which I don't think he did. I, I checked the news later at night, right? If that guy wiped out, he dies instantly. It's all the other people behind him who are gonna live with the trauma of what they saw and experienced in this guy's unwise decision. This is the principle of the second half of Proverbs 13, 20. Who is with you influences where you end up. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools comes to ruin. Here's a good principle to guide you on this one, by the way. Same direction, same pace. You want a crew or a squad or a circle of friends going the same direction at the same basic pace. While choosing only Christian friends or only godly friends won't guarantee an easier or a safer or more blessed future, a general principle in God's universe is that the people who walk in the same direction at the same pace with wise people tend to grow wiser. It's just my observation over years and years of being a human, a Christ follower, and a pastor who gets to work with a lot of people. Two oxen working a field have to be going the same direction to get anything done. Two oxen hitched together have to be going the same direction. Additionally, to get the most work done with the most effectiveness and least energy spent, those two oxen hitched together need to be going the same general pace. It just doesn't work if one is going this fast and the other is going slower. It's just going to cost a lot of energy. Where do we need to most seek alignment in our relationships? Well, one, immediately, I think about marriage. I think, speaking of oxen being yoked together, about 2 Corinthians 6, 14, which says, Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership is righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Now, that certainly applies to marriage. It doesn't apply only to marriage, but it applies to marriage. Probably most in marriages, because marriage is the best picture we have of Jesus Christ and his relationship with the church. And it isn't just the direction following Christ, but it's also the pace that we want to be following in in our marriages. Husbands or wives, who is leading the way or setting the pace spiritually in your marriage? As cute as the idea would be, somebody's always going to be, by the way, a little bit quicker than the other one spiritually in marriage. Don't get haughty if you're the pace setter. If you're the one going slower, do you need to pick up the tempo? And what would it look like for you to pick up the tempo? If you're the faster one, how can you bring your spouse along in a spirit of grace as God has done for you? I promise also it'll begin by you praying for your spouse. 
Finally, both to husband and wife, let Jesus set the pace in an environment of grace. Jesus died because we can't keep up with God's holiness. And so he died so that we can have relationship, follow that model and that example. Look, the bottom line is the goal isn't to be like the spiritual Bill Belichick, husband or wives, like all business, no joy, all wins uh, in walking with the wise. Rather, God wants us to live lives of joy as we journey with one another. There's so much more to say there. We'll do that in another series or, or hit us up on social media or email if you want to talk about that a little more. Dating. Again, I know we have a lot of unmarried people in our church, so let's talk about dating. Again, walking with the wise and growing wise. It's tough here in Boston. But if you're serious about following Christ, following Christ, you're going to have to say no to some things, maybe even to some people or some dating relationships, and say yes to some others. It may mean that you make a commitment not to date pre-Christians or that you don't go a step further into the, rela- the dating relationship you're in until you share your faith or hear the person's story or maybe even in the relationship. It may mean you're single a little longer and have less options to choose from. But I promise you, Christ Church Charlestown, we will pray with you. We will journey with you. We will be with you in the midst of your singleness. Because who you're with influences where you end up, especially in dating. The same principle applies in friendships and business relationships, especially maybe business relationships. Um, certainly, like business partnerships. It applies at a church. Listen, all churches are not equal. Some are dead. Some are alive. You want to be walking with a church that's wise and obedient to the gospel, preaching the gospel, because who you're with influences where you end up. Now, let's talk quickly about application, and we'll bring this into the barn. Uh, does this mean we blow off all non-Christians and become this commune of only people who think or believe like us? No, no, it doesn't mean that at all. Even Jesus didn't do that. Thank God. He Rather, he came and he befriended some stumbling fishermen and some goofy tax collectors and nobodies like you and me. And he discipled them into maturity through relationship. See, I think this works really well with concentric circles. If you can think of all your relationships like concentric circles, your first and tightest relationships, your relationship to God. Your next relationship would be uh, the person you're married to, or it might be your immediate family. The next, uh, that's the most intimate human relationship. Your next relationship out might be your more extended family, might be your roommates. The next relationship out might be your friends. The next relationship out, the fifth one, would be your coworkers, your neighbors, your classmates. Less influence with each outgoing circle. And finally, six might be your social media friends. Seventh might be all the human beings. The closer in we go, the more godly the person ought to be in in order to honor this biblical principle. The people at the core, we want to be the ones in our lives who are wise and pursuing wisdom. Uh, So these relationships are going to look more like shepherding. They're going to look more like praying and accountability relationships. The further out you go in your circle, the more you want these to look like how a missionary would relate to his or her friends, right? Hang out with people. Live on mission. Have genuine relationships with people far from Christ. But it honors God for a Christ follower when his or her closest traveling companions are believers who can counsel you and pray with you Uh, encourage you, come alongside you, even help you in the tough decisions of life, celebrate milestones with you, grieve with you, struggle with you, all of it, all of the human experience, the people that uh, influence you are going to influence where you end up. So how do you do that? One, plug into a church. Plug into our church if you're local. If not, 
plug into another church. We'll help you find one. Even if you're local but don't live in Charlestown, look, there's great churches all around greater Boston. Plug into a church and be all in. But find one that preaches the Bible and preaches the gospel and lives on mission. Two, join a small group. God didn't make any of us to be Lone Ranger Christians. Plug into a group with God's people and be involved. Get to know people. Pursue other people. Third, let people get to know you and pursue people you don't know. Have you ever been in church and your eye kind of catches somebody over here, somebody over here? Listen, if, if someone in your circle, be it in church or in life, if God's Spirit is nudging something in you to get to know them, I would encourage you to do that. And in this season, just assume that they're scared to death they're going to get COVID. So be respectful and loving, but move toward people in love and grace. And finally, walk with Jesus. Give your life to Jesus and walk with him. If you're unmarried, go ahead and become the person, the person that you're looking for will be looking for. <laughs> if you're married, go ahead and be all in with Christ and let him set the pace in your marriage and you follow him and in grace, help your spouse come along with friends and coworkers and even at our church, hold nothing back. Not with them, not with Jesus, hold nothing back. And know the gospel. God's not waiting for us to get it together. Try harder, become wise. He's waiting for us to cry out to him, ask for help, surrender ourselves, and let him lead the way in our lives. Allegedly, in the 1960s in Alaska, there was a road sign that said, Choose your rut carefully. You'll be in it for the next 200 miles. In the journey ahead for the next three months, the next 12 months, the next 10 years, how many of you want to grow wiser? How many want to come to ruin like the companion of fools? How many want to spin your wheels and neither advance nor fall back? While I can't predict your future, I bet in Christ that who is with you will influence where you end up. What needs to change in your marriage in response? What needs to change in your dating? What needs to change in your friend circles? Maybe your work partnerships or relationships, even where you call your church home and how involved you might happen to be there. The church... Uh, is a beautiful body of people. And this is a beautiful moment for us to follow Christ together really well. Church is not an institution. It's people. It's not a building. It's people. And so on, the very, on a very deep, deep level, I want to encourage you to be all in and rope other people in. Bring other people in as well. Because who influences you is going to influence where you end up. Who is with you influences where you end up. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for what we've heard. I pray we wouldn't just be hearers but doers. I pray we would understand that who we're with influences where we end up. Help us find people in the same pace, same direction. God, in our marriages, our dating, our, our business relationships, our friend circles, our church family, I pray that we would align ourselves with people going the same direction, same pace. I thank you, Jesus, that you set the pace and that when we weren't going your direction or God's pace, you came to us in love and, um, and you didn't call us to be better or do more. You saved us and you invited us into your family and now we can walk with you and grow wise and we can walk with one another and grow wise. Help us do that. For the one who's never given his life to you or her life to you, I pray they would do that today. For the ones who are believers, uh, God, I pray that they would begin to live out this principle with the conviction that if they walk with the wise, they'll grow wise. But if they run around with and journey with fools, they may sadly come to ruin. We love you. We thank you for your love, your perfect love for us. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Hey, thanks for being here today. If you happen to watch this but weren't there on a Sunday, fill out a connection card, ChristChurchCharlestown.com backslash or slash connect. Let us know you are here. If there's anything we can do for you, let us know. Man, we love you. I love you. I love being your pastor, even across this medium. God bless you guys. Have a great day.